Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. As an organization, AJC has been engaged in the Middle East for more than 70 years. In fact, a senior AJC delegation first traveled to Morocco in March 1950. Since then, there have been several more milestones. AJC's own Jason Isaacson participated in the Madrid Conference in 1991, a historic effort by the international community to revive the Israeli-Palestinian peace process. And AJC opened its first Arab World Office in Abu Dhabi in 2021. This week, Benjamin Rogers, AJC's Director for Middle East and North Africa Initiatives, explores one of the most significant developments in the decades-long Arab-Israeli conflict, the Abraham Accords. The conversation marks the Accords' third anniversary on September 15th. Benji, the mic is yours. Thank you so much, Manya, and I remember the day well. I had been in, in the Gulf just a few months prior, December 2019, talking about these issues, talking about normalization, talking about cooperation, but to see the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of Israel, the foreign ministers of the UAE in Bahrain on the White House lawn, signing an agreement of friendship, signing an agreement of cooperation. It was an electrifying moment. As we prepare to celebrate the third anniversary of what is possible when Israelis and Arabs come together and set aside their differences, I can think of no better person to help us reflect on this moment than our guest today. It is my honor to welcome Senator Joni Ernst, of Iowa, founding member of the Abraham Accords Caucus to our program today. Senator, thank you so much for being here. Of course, it is an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure to be with you today. I'm celebrating as well. I think it's a phenomenal achievement for the United States and for our friends in Israel and those Arab nations. And I think that's a great starting place for our conversation. Share with us a little bit about your story. What was your reaction when you learned of these agreements? How did that translate to saying, hey, I'm going to work with my colleagues. I'm going to sit down with Senator Langford, Senator Rosen, Senator Booker, and we're going to be the founding members of the Senate Abraham Accords Caucus. Right. And it goes back quite a ways. My own personal journey, I had served in the Iowa Army National Guard and had deployed to the Middle East for Operation Iraqi Freedom. And having that experience serving in our United States Armed Forces, we have the great privilege and honor of serving with many members from other countries as well. And we have an understanding of those nations and what they're trying to achieve and how we can promote stability in certain regions. Um, So from that basis, then I served in the Iowa State Senate. And when you think of Iowa and Israel, it's maybe not a natural connection, but we have a huge Christian community across the state of Iowa that is very supportive of our Jewish brothers and sisters in Israel. And so from that platform of the Iowa Senate, I was able to move into the United States Senate with a broad basis, not only the military perspective, but then also how Iowa and Israel can come together, collaborate on things like agriculture, cultural exchanges. And with that basis, then finding other members of the Senate that had similar goals and objectives, and that came together really with the incredible 
advent of the Abraham Accords. And so we were able to start the caucus, those of us that have very strong feelings about stability in that region and partnership in that region. So coming together with Senators Rosen, Booker, and Lankford, it was a really wonderful way for us to celebrate the Abraham Accords and bring others from the United States Senate and House into that fold as well. Amazing. I was struck by what you said. You don't necessarily think of commonalities between Iowa and Israel, but the interfaith component, the agricultural component. You talked about security. I know energy is a huge issue. Can you walk us through how these issues that are you know, seemingly local actually have larger regional and international importance, how cooperation could maybe help your average person in Iowa City say, hey, look, this makes sense to me. I get what we're trying to do here. Right. And we exist in a global economy, of course. We, as the United States, are blessed with an abundance of resources. But when we're able to partner with other nations around the globe, we find new ways of using the resources that we have virtually at our fingertips. And what we have seen just in the exchanges and the ideas that are shared between entrepreneurs in Iowa, entrepreneurs in Israel, Israel, Israel being a huge startup nation. It has been a fascinating journey for me just to explore from the realm of agriculture, the types of irrigation methods that are used in Israel. One of the visits that I had to Israel, I was visiting with a young entrepreneur that had developed a type of bandage, a a skin type bandage, a, a liquid that could be applied on the battlefield But one of the sources for that bandage, that liquid bandage that would seal the skin together, actually comes from hogs that are sourced from Iowa. So, I mean, we're all connected in so many interesting and fascinating ways. But when you talk to Iowans about this, they get it. They understand how connected we are through our everyday activities. And I love it that we've been able to work strongly and partner with Israel, but now expanding that opportunity as well into the other Arab nations of that region is just an incredible period of time that we're witnessing right now. So that's great to hear. Can you say a little bit more, when you founded the caucus, what were the hopes? As we're about to celebrate three years on, what are some of the successes? AJC has been engaged with you a lot on bills like the Defend Act, Maritime Act, the Regional uh, Integration Act. What is the role of the caucus? What is the role of U.S. Senate in saying, hey, we're here to support the Abraham Accords? Well, you outlined a number of those goals and objectives, but the first reason bringing us together, one was to celebrate the great accomplishment of the Accords. That was the baseline. But then we built off of there because between the four of us in the United States Senate that founded the caucus, two Republicans, two Democrats, understanding that this is an extremely bipartisan move. And how do we not just celebrate the existence of the Accords, but how do we become tools to further engage with those nations, maybe expand the accords? And, you know, what we'll say is normalization of relations. And maybe sometimes that's not the right word, but just this incredible collaboration between those countries. How can we be a part of that and really steer the legislation that we're working on in Congress to benefit 
the United States, first and foremost, always, you know, looking for ways that we can protect ourselves, further our goals, but also do that with our friends, Israel and other Arab nations that have joined the Accords or are considering joining into the Accords. So we have been able to focus primarily from my perch on the Armed Services Committee, then on things like the DEFEND Act, where we are working with Israel, the members of the Abraham Accords, and integrating air and missile defense systems, giving these nations a common operating picture where they can literally save minutes, seconds on an impending attack coming from of course, main adversary in the Middle East, Iran. So if we can all work together and save lives on the ground, so much the better for all of those nations. So we did have the main parts of that bill, the DEFEND Act. It was passed through the National Defense Authorization Act last year. This year, Senator Rosen and I also have the Maritime Act, which is yet another step forward for our caucus, our objectives of securing that region. And it does basically the same thing that you'll see with the DEFEND Act, which was primarily focused from the air, protecting from the air. Now we are focusing on the maritime domain and making sure that as we see naval traffic through that region, that they are protected as well. So we just continue to take steps to protect that region, protect us as as United States citizens, but always looking for ways to further our goals through the Abraham Accords. That's remarkable. And in reading the legislation, being engaged with the region, you hear all these things about the Middle East. The Middle East is disconnected. The Middle East is not united. But then you look at some of these sources and you look at the potential and you look at the ability for all these countries that maybe would be traditional adversaries are now saying, hey, we need to worry about things like Iran. We need to worry about things like security. We need to worry about things like stability. We're going to come together. We want to work within a larger architecture. And it's been remarkable from our standpoint to see the U.S. as a major driving force for that. Yes. And you mentioned security, stability. They go hand in hand. And what I have witnessed in in traveling through that region and, of course, getting to know leaders throughout that region is that they are so interconnected. They really are. And the Abraham Accords really provided a path forward for them to do more together. There has been a lot of work in this area for decades now, but we're finally seeing a real breakthrough, a rapid advancement of cooperation between these nations. And because of a number of these nations coming together in the Accords, we see that maybe there's a little bit of competition now as well with some of the other nations in the region. And I say that, and maybe top of mind, we should be thinking, what about Saudi Arabia? You know, so I do want to say we hope that they will join in more. And I hope that they are on that glide path to get there. It is something that I have spoken with, with many of the leaders in Saudi Arabia, and we hope that we'll continue to see that really positive movement forward. But we want to see a strong foundation 
to build upon, which is what we are doing right now, but it can always improve. And that's what we want to see is continuous improvement, not just with the United States and those existing allies and partners right now, but many others that we hope to bring into the fold as well. So since you brought up Saudi Arabia, and that's been top of mind on the news, can you share a little bit more with us? What does it mean from your perspective to have the Saudis as part of this process? What does it mean from a U.S. security standpoint? What does it mean from a Chinese influence in the region? What are some of the pitfalls there? But where are the opportunities that clearly there seems to be a lot of hope for? Well, let me start with the pitfalls. And I think it's pretty obvious that the largest pitfall is if we ignore Saudi Arabia, if we don't engage with Saudi Arabia, they will find another partner. And that partner is China. And so we don't want to see that happen. I think the natural alignment is for the United States and Saudi Arabia to come together. And I have always been of the thought that the Abraham Accords would not have happened if behind the scenes Saudi Arabia had not given a signal that it was okay. I do believe they had um, somewhat of a role in the Abraham Accords, and I hope that they will continue working on a relationship with Israel. While maybe they won't come fully into the courts, but they will lend their leadership to the accords. And so I think that as we look forward on the flip side, you know, if we can avoid the pitfall of Saudi Arabia engaging completely 100% with China, we can avoid that. We can move ahead in this region and have the participation of Saudi Arabia. I want them to look to the West for their partnerships. I think that's incredibly important. So I do engage heavily with the leadership from Saudi Arabia. I do engage with the ambassador to the United States, Ambassador Rima. We have had many, many phone and in-person conversations in the U.S., in Saudi Arabia, just continually working on the areas that we can't work on. There are things that we disagree on. But one thing I find with Ambassador Rima is that we can be very blunt and upfront with one another and have those discussions respectfully. I have the greatest respect for Princess Rima and the position that she is in, in negotiating in the best interest of her country. I am always going to talk and negotiate in the best interests of the United States. And the best interests of the United States are that we continue to be the best ally for Israel and find a way for us to work with Arab nations as well. Again, going back to having strong security and strong stability in that region and all partnering together against a common adversary, Iran. This has been an absolutely fascinating discussion. We're three years out and we're talking about Israeli-Arab relations as if this was commonplace, as if this was how it's always been. You know, you do have to stop yourself. And I think an anniversary is always a good moment to say things did not always used to be this way. So with that reflection of the past, I know you spoke a little bit about the future, but where do you see the future of the Senate Abraham Accords Caucus going? If you were to look, you know, three years out, what position do you hope we are the U.S., its engagement with Israel, its engagement with the Arab world, and its engagement in trying to create a more interconnected Middle East? 
Well, I'm incredibly pleased with where we are today on this third anniversary. And if we look another three years out, what are my hopes? Um, Senator Joni Ernst from the state of Iowa, you know, co-founder of the Abraham Accords Caucus. Where do we want to be? My vision in three years is that we will have all of those military type protections put into place, that the Defend Act is fully implemented, the Maritime Act is now passed and implemented, and that we are integrating our military resources with one another. So this is a step forward if we can bring Saudi Arabia into this fold that we can start working with them on military platforms as well. The Sauds want to engage with these platforms. If we can get them to move away from China and really work more with the United States, I can see greater sharing of this technology with the Saudis. And I, I do think that that's important. We have to have checks and balances, no doubt about it. We have to have those discussions. But if I could just say three years, this is what I want to happen. I want to have us all fully integrated to make sure that the region is protected. And in turn, that makes us stronger in the United States. We know that we'll be protected as well from Iran if we all are partnering together. I do want to see additional trade with that region as well. I think it's been incredibly important as you look at UAE and Israel, the types of activities that they have been able to engage in, whether it is just travel, education, and trade opportunities. There is so many areas that are yet untouched where we can go. And I hope that we see that in three years where we don't really differentiate ourselves as this group or that group, but that we're just common friends and partners. So I think that we've got a long ways to go, but I can actually say with this caucus and the founders of the caucus, both in the Senate and the House, because the House members are really punching above their weight as well, is that we continue to bring members into the fold, focus on this region and our opportunities there and that we have a much more stable world because of the actions we have taken. Well, Senator, thank you so much for your time. It goes without saying, AJC has a huge appreciation for the work that you're doing, for the work that your colleagues, Senator Rosen, Senator Langford, and Senator Booker have been engaged on. We're grateful for your House colleagues and everything that they've been doing on pushing and securing the Abraham Accords as well. AJC shares your vision of a more interconnected region, of a stronger U.S., of a more united front against adversaries. And we are your partners in this, and we look forward to working with you to realize the vision that you just spelled out. Well, I appreciate it so much. And to you, Benjamin, and, and the entire team at AJC, thank you so much for being such incredible advocates for uh, the Abraham Accords, uh, of course, for our Jewish communities all across the United States. And uh, the work that we can all achieve together is pretty incredible when we lean on each other and uh, we move with a purpose. So thanks so much for all of the wonderful support. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in for my conversation with Academy Award-winning film director Guy Nativ about his latest film, Golda, which opened in American theaters last week. The film examines the Yom Kippur War 
a transformative moment in Israel's history. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at ajc.org slash peopleofthepod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at ajc.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod.